You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Nolan is standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Do you remember when the Bills were a soft, front-running team? Couldn't handle any adversity? You know, like two weeks ago? One of the things that's very interesting to me about the small sample size in the NFL how short the season is as far as games go relative to other sports is that the overwhelming majority of all narratives, these big, broad narratives on what a team is end up being baloney. It's just filler time. Football is not just popular because it dominates a day of the week where fewer people work. That's not the only reason why it's popular. It's popular because the very structure of American football lends itself toward wonderful narratives. You get an entire week to fester on the happenings from the last game. In basketball, sometimes you don't even have 24 hours to fester. So the narratives are based on long trends and meaningful sample sizes, but not in football. You can be one thing one week and a completely different thing the next week. And the truth is that you were never either of those things. They just got assigned to you based on the fact that we had to fill a narrative vacuum for an entire week's worth of content. I remember when the Bills under Sean McDermott were a soft front-running team, and now here they are, two one-score wins in a row. Remember that thing? We all feeling silly yet? I think one of the important things about football is that the very nature of it will try to get you to overreact. It is literally slanted that way. The atmosphere around football is attempting it's pushing you in the direction of overreacting it's not a natural thing to stay calm with football it's not a natural thing to stay level with football 
the natural thing, the normal quote unquote behavior is to overreact. It's to freak out because the entire atmosphere is pushing you in that direction. And I think that if anything, this particular week is more of an example than most that most of the time that stuff's baloney. Most of the time it is. I'll give you a great example. I talked about Ken Dorsey a little bit on this podcast a couple weeks ago where I said I had some concerns about Ken Dorsey. I didn't think he was making the job easy for Josh Allen. And I think that's popped up recently. I had my concerns about motion. I had my concerns about play action. I was very, very careful in making sure that I was assigning the appropriate things to Dorsey. I didn't want to just blame him for everything because we talked about execution errors or actually execution errors and should not be placed on coaching. But when we look back on Ken Dorsey, I don't know why we'd be super surprised that someone who has literally never done a job before, which was calling plays, would struggle with it. But it's okay to say that both he and Josh Allen are not operating at an optimal level right now. Well, Bruce, we could have just kept the offense from last year. Even if Dable was still here, it wouldn't be the offense from last year. Because things need to change. They need to evolve. Growing pains would be expected with Ken Dorsey. So I can simultaneously say, yes, I think there's some concerns there. And then also say the results have been overall pretty good for the Buffalo Bills offense. They're second in the league in scoring. And also there's meat on the bone. And also some growing pains should be expected. All of these things are true. The results have been good. The method by which they acquired the results makes you feel like an offense more optimally run could lead to even better results. And this is the crux of today's issue when it comes to the podcast. It is the rarity of mutual exclusivity. We create mutual exclusivity when we talk about football. That's what we do. It doesn't exist in the ultimate team sport. But we create it anyway. We create it through whataboutism. And it never runs more rampant in NFL circles than it does in the moments where your team is not performing optimally. We do plurality pie on this podcast specifically to constantly ingrain the fact that multiple things go into a win and loss into our brains. But if you bring up Ken Dorsey, inevitably someone will say, what about Leslie Frazier? If you bring up the fact that Josh Allen isn't playing optimally, someone will say, what about Ken Dorsey? If you bring up Leslie Frazier and a concern there, you'll say, well, what about Josh Allen? If you bring up Josh Allen, it's what about Sean McDermott and so on and so forth. And it never ends. The cycle never ends. And the root cause of this is the idea of mutual exclusivity. That if there is blame to be laid at the feet of Ken Dorsey, therefore, there is none to be laid at the feet of any other object. 
We recognize it's the ultimate team sport, but we only want to talk about one aspect that is particularly angering to us. So if I'm particularly mad at Isaiah McKenzie, I don't want to hear anyone else talk about any of the other contributing factors to a game that was less optimal than Isaiah McKenzie. That's it. That's all I want to talk about. And no matter what you bring up, I'm going to say, well, yeah, but what about Isaiah McKenzie? It is a failure to recognize the fact that both things can be true. And you're going to hear that phrase, both things can be true. Both things can be true. More often with the ultimate team sport than in any other sport. It's the same reason why wins are not a quarterback stat. Because we're not going to assign 100% of it to one thing or one player. Wins aren't a quarterback stat, not because the quarterback's not important, but because I'm not going to push myself down the rabbit hole and create the illusion of mutual exclusivity. That just because Dorsey's to blame, therefore it excludes everyone else from blame. So we need to catch ourselves. Because the fact of the matter is, mutual exclusivity is extremely rare. Not only in sports, but in all aspects of life. It's a level of black and whitedness that is just not very common. But we create it that way. Because things are always connected. Dane Jackson is struggling. We know this. It's all connected. So the defensive line for the Buffalo Bills has not been getting the type of pressure that the Buffalo Bills very likely would have wanted this season. Well, that means you start to bring more blitzes. Leslie Frazier blitzed Jared Goff almost 44% of the time. That's a staggering number. Well, if you blitz more to get the pressure that you want, now you need to play more man on the back end. And if you play more on man on the back end without safety help, you're now exposing the fact that you're not great in man coverage. Dane Jackson has a unbelievable split in passer rating against between man and zone coverage. I'm talking 70 points of passer rating from the 60s to the 130s. Absolutely staggering numbers. But what would the alternative be? You're not getting the pressure that you want because your defensive line isn't getting what they want. They're not winning the matchups that they need to win. Now Von Miller's out. There's a trickle-down effect. So again, you can look at it and say Dane Jackson's struggling. Dane Jackson is a perfectly average NFL cornerback relative to his peers. But there are other factors. Again, ultimate team game, rarity of mutual exclusivity. So you say, okay, well, we're just going to replace Dane Jackson with Caillou Elam. Great, awesome. But not all of Dane Jackson's struggles are strictly because Dane Jackson's not a good player. It's because you have to run more man. Why do you have to run more man? Because you're not getting pressure. Why are you not getting pressure? And all these things trickle into each other. So it's one example of how just general whataboutism doesn't work in the NFL. It doesn't work in the ultimate team game. The same thing happens on offense. Why isn't Dawson Knox getting more involved? Dawson Knox was trending up in passing game usage over the last two games. 
But then you have injuries on the offensive line. And now a few of his pass blocking snaps were otherwise going to be routes. So the answer isn't just Ken Dorsey have Dawson Knox run more routes. Yes, I absolutely want that thing too, but why isn't he? Because everything's connected. It's all trickling into everything else. It's a domino effect on offensive line, on defensive line, in the defensive backfield, offensive skill positions. Everything's connected to something else. And that's what football is. A bunch of different positions and a bunch of different narratives and a bunch of different concepts and a bunch of different results that are all interconnected because it's the ultimate team game. And results are connected to processes which are connected to circumstance. For example, Bruce, it's been like five weeks. Allen's been struggling. Dorsey should fix it. I agree with you. But with what practice time? The Bills have practiced like three times in the last couple of weeks. Short weeks, snowstorms, sicknesses. When were they going to rep these plays? The final play to Stephon Diggs. Big play that Josh Allen made to help win the game against the Detroit Lions was not repped a single time in practice. Ken Dorsey talked to Josh Allen about it as they were getting on the plane. If that's not a great example of how difficult it is to schematically fix issues when you don't have the opportunity to rep anything, then I don't know what is. Again, not an excuse, a circumstance that affects a process that affects a result. It's just a lot more gray than we want it to be. We want it to be simple. We want it to be black and white. We want it to be easily digestible in 140 characters on Twitter. That's what we want. But it's not. It's not that simple. It's not that easy. It's really, really hard to isolate what's causing what, which is trickling into what. But it creates whataboutism. And the narrative around the team when they're not performing optimally would be better if we got rid of it. We're going to take a quick break. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We have got plurality pie to get into. For the Lions game, Ed Oliver, 12%. Isaiah McKenzie, 12%. Nice to have an Isaiah McKenzie game. I will take it. Ed Oliver, AFC Player of the Week. Sounds about right. He picked a particularly good time to go off, given the fact that Vaughn Miller was down. I think against the New England Patriots on Thursday night, I think it's going to be important. Daquan Jones, 10%, continues to be the best one-tech that the Buffalo Bills have had in the entire Sean McDermott era. Josh Allen, 8%. Stephon Diggs, 8%. Matt Milano, 8%. Other, 42%. Plurality pie, Bills, Lions. Let's go, if we may, to some emails. And one particular one that is about injuries that I wanted to talk about. Adam says, hey, Bruce, I've been arguing with friends from other teams' fan bases about injuries. 
What do you think about a not all injuries are created equal segment? It's easy to say all NFL teams are injured, get over it. But hearing you talk about plurality pie, I feel like you may think that not all injuries are created equal. You would be correct. Speaking to the drop-off from a star to a backup, as well as the importance of that position for the team that they are against and scheme. One example is a left tackle injury that hurts the Patriots more than the Bills, because clean pocket for a quarterback matters so much more for the Patriots, and max protection can affect a game for the Patriots more than a mobile elite quarterback like Josh. I'm sure there's more variables to consider. Interested in your opinion. Perhaps there's a better way to frame this with ours and our opponents' actual injuries, Adam. So, yes, I absolutely 100% agree with you. Because one of the things that I've talked about this year, and I actually wrote an article about this, and it's very, very fortuitous that you would have brought this up. I wrote an article for buffalorolemics.com where I talked about luck. I've said before on this pod that we do not like to talk about luck. We don't even want to admit luck is a thing in football, but it absolutely is. And the 2022 Buffalo Bills have been objectively unlucky. There was a chart that was produced by NFL football operations data scientist Tom Bliss, and he outlined how a few luck-based factors have helped or hurt teams through week 12 this year in the National Football League. Dropped interceptions, dropped passes by the offense, field goals made or missed by an opponent. If you look at the net win probability that has been added for a team, the top of the list, Giants, Pittsburgh, Washington, Minnesota. Three of those four teams are teams that you can openly say have overachieved this year relative to expectation. You know one of the things that will help you overachieve relative to expectation? Luck. Look at the bottom. Carolina, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Buffalo. Second to last in total net win probability added through dropped interceptions, dropped passes, field goals against, and fumble recoveries. The Bills have the worst fumble luck in the NFL this year. Luck is a part of it. It absolutely is. Injury luck's a part of it too. Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus wrote about the current war, wins above replacement, that have been lost due to injury or suspension. You mentioned in your email, Adam, about some injuries mattering more than others. And I'd agree with that. The Bills are third in the NFL in lost wins above replacement due to injury or suspension. Wins above replacement war is a proprietary pro football focus metric that attempts to isolate how important that player is relative to to their team success. Quarterbacks obviously have the highest war. But regardless of how you feel about that particular metric, we can get into that at a different time. It serves as a valuable tool to show not just how many injuries you had, but how meaningful those injuries were. Don't try and tell me that losing your starting quarterback for six weeks is the same as losing your backup safety for four. Because it's not. All injuries are not created equal. Anyone who has ever played fantasy football will tell you this. 
having more important players lose more time matters more. This isn't a crazy concept. This shouldn't be an elementary concept for people, but for some reason, the immediate response to you've been banged up is, well, everyone's banged up. And I'll tell you why the reason that is. It's because you might sound like you're using it as an excuse. And maybe it is. But nobody likes to hear that. Nobody who just won a game likes to hear from the fan base of the team that just got beaten while we were hurt. Nobody wants to hear that. Because it sounds from their perspective like you are minimizing their victory. And maybe you are. But you have to understand how that sounds to them. They don't want to hear that. Nobody wants to have an achievement minimized. And when they hear that, they think it sounds like sour grapes. It sounds like being a sore loser. And it kind of is. It's really, really important when you have conversations like this that you can acknowledge something scientifically, you can acknowledge it objectively without using it as a crutch to minimize the achievement of somebody else because you got to understand how that makes them feel. Miami Dolphins, very, very excited about beating the Buffalo Bills. And if all they hear from you as a Buffalo Bills fan is, well, we were all banged up. If that's the only thing they say, it just sounds like sour grapes to them. And they're going to respond pretty negatively to it. So we can acknowledge objectively that the Buffalo Bills have been unlucky in 2022. But you almost want to acknowledge it as if it's a data point in the ether. We talked about on this show not too long ago, actionable data points versus non-actionable data points. And how you should be invested in an actionable data point. Something you can actually do something about. And you should not be invested in non-actionable data points like the sky is blue. Yes, it's a data point. I just don't do anything with it. You almost have to be disengaged from the fact that it's unlucky. Because if you get really engaged in it, it almost feels like you're using it as a crutch. So 100%, not all injuries are created equal. It's one of the reasons why charts like this exist. The Rams are number one. The Washington Commanders are number two. The Bills are number three. In the biggest effect that the injuries have had, not just how many players are on injured reserve. How big of a loss were those players? So no, not all injuries are created equal. We just have to be careful to acknowledge it as dispassionately as possible. So we don't end up starting unnecessary conflict with other teams' fan bases. So, Adam, I hope that that helped. I hope that that helps you get where you need to get with your conversations with other people. Evan said, hey, remember how during the drought the Bills would host a random Thursday primetime game? We all get our hopes up. Say, oh, Brady's being dinged up and Richard Seymour's injured. Miami and the Jets stole a game from Belichick, so maybe we have a chance. And then Tom Brady would be cranky about sleeping in a cut-rate red roof in in Hamburg, and our special teams would have a meltdown and the Bills would get blown out. Well, it's our turn, and we are at the beginning of this rather than the twilight. First half, Ken Dorsey calls the offense like he's trying to meticulously parallel park a Lamborghini. But then in the second half, Josh Allen takes over. 
One rushing touchdown, four passing touchdowns, three to Diggs, one to Knox. And Von Miller stands behind Groot, Boogie, and AJ during every offensive drive, whispering, don't blink, repeatedly until they go out for their reps on defense. Ed Oliver continues to menace interior offensive linemen, and we finally get to see Trey and Kyrie become the SEC INT machine, being envisioned, causing Mac Jones to see ghosts and hear the doubts of Nick Saban creep in. Also, Micah Hyde keeps warming up with trainers pregame. I wonder what's up with that. Anyway, Bills 42-21, despite Sam Martin punting five times, and the Bills coming back down 21-7 at the half following a motor touchdown at the two-minute warning before halftime. Yes, Twitter calls for firing and cutting the whole team at halftime, and people say they don't care at the end of the game. One edit, he says. Diggs has one touchdown. Smoke goes for three with four 120 and two touchdowns. John Brown, who might not be active, goes for 120 and two touchdowns and mocks the Patriots' five. Uh, field side fans with his dance once again. I am here for it. I'm 100% here for it. Justin sent me an email a while back. I've been waiting to get to it. He said, I've never written an email to you before, but I felt compelled. There's been a lot of investment in the defensive line over the last few years with high commodity draft picks and trades. It's an understandable approach considering how they value the position. I feel like they've reached a peak in which they can attain, given the cap space dedicated, and I'm wondering if we shouldn't be concerned about a coaching situation, enhancing their production. I like Greg Rousseau's improvement, but I'm having a hard time finding others. Am I just overreacting? No, I don't think you're overreacting. I think when you invest these kind of picks in players, you want to see really significant improvement. I think we've seen that from Ed Oliver, and we've seen it from Gregory Rousseau. But we haven't seen it from A.J. Epines, and we haven't seen it from Boogie Basham. So, to me, the fact that you have two out of four there means I'm less likely to turn around and say Eric Washington's a problem because 50% hit rate in the first two rounds is still pretty reasonable. Ed Oliver and Greg Rousseau look like they're going to be good players. They look like they're probably going to be re-signable players. Boogie Basham and A.J. Epines, not as much quite yet. I think Shaq Lawson has probably been the third best defensive end on this team this year. And that's not a great thing. Not that he hasn't played well, but you were kind of hoping Boogie Basham, A.J. Epinesa take a next step. That hasn't happened. But given the fact that you've had success with other players, that makes me less inclined to blame Eric Washington, if that makes sense. I think if it was an over four thing, that would be, I would be more likely to lean to it. But you're not going to get a 100% hit rate. But 50% seems reasonable to me. Reasonable enough that you can say, okay, maybe it's not a coaching issue. Maybe it's just a scouting issue. Right? Maybe they were just not going to be that level of player. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We did whataboutism. We did the rarity of mutual exclusivity. We did plurality pie. We did emails. We talked about luck. Not Andrew Luck. Although the Colts are probably very much wishing he was still around. We did all the things. And the event that you are listening to this podcast after the Bills game against the Patriots, and maybe, maybe the Bills lost. And you're not really happy with any of the stuff that I had to say on this podcast because being reflected upon in the light of the most recent game against the Patriots, it doesn't sound quite as good. Well, I guess that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings. Buffalo Rumblings.